Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. So happy you're with us today. I'm always pleased and honored to be with you. We're going to begin today with a prayer at the request of the Chaldean Bishop, which is another one of the Eastern Catholic Churches in the Catholic Church. The Chaldean Bishop, the Chaldean Rite, has requested, and I really appreciate the fact that there is this request, because I think it's very urgent. He requests that the whole church pray with him and his people, his church, which is basically Christians from Iraq, especially Eastern Catholic Christians, to pray to the Mother of God for the intention of those suffering in the Middle East, in particular Iraq, under the religious persecution and terrorism and war of our time. So we'll begin with that prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mother of God, Virgin Mary, be for us a safeguard from all illnesses and hardships. Through the great love you have for Christ, ask and beseech him to be merciful to us, to give healing to our ailments, to console the downtrodden, to reunite those who are scattered, and to forgive us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, there are many expressions of the one faith, Catholic faith, as we call it, different rites, and they basically are form what is what St. John Paul II referred to as the two lungs of the Church, East and West. And they have their respective liturgies. In the West, there was a liturgy that was known by Catholics who were my age (laughs) and a little bit older, but also some younger people, of course, know it now, but maybe not that many young people. And that Mass was called the Tridentine Mass. And that Mass for many Latin Rite Catholics seems similar in many ways to some of the liturgies of the Eastern churches. And in fact, there are many Latin Rite Catholics who found a home in the Eastern churches, largely because of the Eastern liturgies. And they found a home in the Eastern churches because they had difficulties with the changes that happened in the Mass in the Latin Rite since Second Vatican Council. 
And sometimes when they came to the Eastern churches, they found a certain similarity between the Latin Mass or the Tridentine Mass and the Eastern liturgies, in particular my own liturgy, the Byzantine liturgy, liturgy of St. John Chrysostom and also of St. Basil the Great. Well, we're going to look at those two liturgies, the Mass and the liturgy today in our program, because it's a subject that comes up often. We're going to look at how are they similar and how might they be different. And to help us, we have someone who wrote a wonderful book called Treasure and Tradition, The Ultimate Guide to the Latin Mass. Her name is Lisa Bergman, and this book is put out by St. Augustine Academy Press right here in Homer Glen, Illinois, the home of Light of the East. And I'm proud to say that Lisa Bergman is my neighbor, in fact, a relatively new neighbor here, she and her family. Sometimes there is this wisdom in looking in your own backyard first, which I literally did, (laughs) to find someone who has produced something very, very valuable. I think a wonderful resource, this book called Treasure and Tradition, The Ultimate Guide to the Latin Mass. So welcome, Lisa Bergman, to Light of the East. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Well, as listeners can already hear, Lisa is a young woman. She's a young mother with a young family, a young husband and young children. So why, Lisa, a woman of your youthfulness, why did you write a book? And it's really a magnificent book. It's beautifully illustrated. It's full of all kinds of information, lots of history. It's not a real thick book, but it's very, very full of information, beautifully done, lots of color prints and diagrams and illustrations. Lisa, I see icons in here as well. Uh, Why did someone your age write a book like this, to come to this, and this is an incredible effort. Uh, why Why you? <laughs> I might as well ask the same question. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I'm i not a liturgist. I, I did not study theology in college. My background is actually in architecture. Mm. And so, you know, I feel like almost as though this task must have been laid on my shoulders, and I don't think I even realized it until I was, you know, probably about halfway through it. But the way that I came to it was that, you know, after my fourth child was born, I started attending the Latin Mass out of curiosity. And I was immediately struck with, you know, the awe and the wonder that came from, you know, the levels of of, of mystery that mm-hmm. are in that Mass. And at the same time, those layers of mystery were also, you know, something that, that stood between me and the ability to fully understand and participate in what was happening. And um, being very analytical, I suppose, Mm -hmm. I I really felt a need to not only understand it more fully myself, but with four young children Mm -hmm. who were coming from, you know, the regular Catholic mass, Mm -hmm. it was so much harder for them because they just, they had no way to get their bearings. And so I searched through stack after stack of, books that were supposed to help children understand what was going on in the older mass. And I just couldn't find anything that was really suitable for for today's children because most of them assumed that the children had grown up within that rite and already had at least a basic understanding of some of the basics of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so they were just building on that. But what we have today is a generation who has no familiarity whatsoever with that right and mm-hmm. what was happening. And so you really have to start from from the very beginning and and build from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started um, working on a book that had a lot of pictures mm-hmm. and that had subtitles for the Latin instead of trying to f- 
switch back and forth between Latin and English, which was just too much of a challenge for children who were just beginning to read. Um, and so that way, not only could they match up what was being said with the words that were coming out of the priest's mouth, but they could also compare it with the pictures of what was happening at each stage. And, and at least if they couldn't follow along with the words, mm -hmm. they could look up on the altar, compare it with the picture, and at least feel like they had some sort of competency in what was happening. And this book, Lisa, as I look at it, you come from an art, architecture background and come from an art background, art and design, which kind of overlaps. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to say that this book would be for all ages because it's it could be for adults but also for young people because it's uh, very very substantial in its information but also as you said uh, a lot of nice illustrations it's a nice way to to get through the book and and to associate things you know they're happening at the mass with you know the, the different aspects of the faith the liturgical calendar the scriptures and so on mm -hmm. so for a bit of our listeners let's first of all when you talk about the, this latin mass it's sometimes called latin mass or tridentine mm -hmm. they can be called both right right okay what is it what do we mean by tridentine mass okay so um most of you have have heard of the protestant Reformation, and you know, in order to combat the Reformation, the the Council of Trent was convened, and many of the reforms that were put in place by the Council of Trent were intended to strengthen the Church mm -hmm. against that Reformation and and enact a Reformation within the Church rather than from without. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that they did that was by taking some of the different variations that had come up in the Mass over the centuries in different geographical areas mm -hmm. and try to bring them all together and codify them as one mass that could be followed by everyone that then they could have enough control over so that no errors would end up slipping into. Again, we are talking with our guest, Lisa Bergman, author of Treasure and Tradition, The Ultimate Guide to the Latin Mass. Lisa, now the, the Council yeah. of Trent happened in 1545 A.D., and then the Mass that came out of that, as you mentioned, uh, is the Trentine Mass, which was promulgated in 1570 A.D. by Pope Pius V. Right. And it's interesting, Lisa, because we're going to compare in our program today the Trentine Mass with the Liturgy of the Eastern Churches, in particular the Byzantine Liturgy. And what you just said now is similar, uh, familiar, because the Byzantine Liturgy became codified also, but rather early on, and that's why we call it the Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, in, in a similar way. There were various liturgies going on, or prayers and so on going on in, in different localities, and John Chrysostom, fourth century, father of the church, and Eastern church, brought it all together and basically said, okay, look, these are the prayers we're going to say. This is the, the it kind of brought that unity to it in a similar way, but it was, it was uh, earlier on, whereas now here in the Latin Rite, it came in the 16th century. So, Lisa, tell us a little bit about this Tridentine, this Latin Mass. Basically, what is it like? Describe it. Uh, some of the basic. I know there's, there's a lot to it, but just, <laughs> it's in in general. Um, you mentioned first of all, you mentioned the sense of mystery. There's right. a sense of mystery about it. Definitely. I mean, I, I would say, in fact, that there are layers of mystery. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, probably one of the first things that strikes a person when they you know, come into the Latin Mass and they're unfamiliar with it. Not only is the priest facing away from them toward the altar, but 
there's a lot more silence mm-hmm. in the mass. You know, we're we're used to the priest talking, you know, at a, a level that we can all hear him. We're used to there being a lot of music, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of participation. Whereas you come to the Tridentine Mass and you find that most of what's happening is only up on the altar, and it's it's very quiet. Mm-hmm. And this can be kind of unsettling for a lot of people if, if they're not used to it. I mean, being in silence is sometimes very jarring. And we're going to talk more about the Tridentine, the Latin Mass, and compare it to the liturgies of the Eastern churches, in particular the Byzantine liturgy, with our special guest, Lisa Bergman, who is author of the book, Treasure and Tradition, The Ultimate Guide to the Latin Mass. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by writing a check to Light of the East and mail it to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wheelcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. 60491. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. We join our Chaldean Catholics in prayer to the Mother of God for peace in the Middle East. Mother of God, Virgin Mary, be for us a safeguard from all illnesses and hardships. Through the great love you have for Christ, ask and beseech him to be merciful to us, to give healing to our ailments, to console the downtrodden, to unite those who are scattered, and to forgive us. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Hello, I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I am inviting you to the third annual women's retreat where I will be the retreat master for the Genius of Womanhood at the Shrine of Our Lady of Consolation Retreat Center in Cary, Ohio. Friday through Sunday, March 6th through the 8th, the third annual women's retreat, the Genius of Womanhood. More details, contact Joan Washburn at 419-798-9107. The Genius of Womanhood at the Shrine of Our Lady of Consolation Retreat Center in Cary, Ohio. Friday through Sunday, March 6th through the 8th. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyer, your host. And today we have a special guest, Lisa Bergman, who is also special in the sense that she is a neighbor of mine, <laughs> living right next door to my parish with her family. And she wrote a book called Treasure and Tradition, The Ultimate Guide to the Latin Mass. And again, it's put out by St. Augustine Academy Press right here in Homa Glen, Illinois. And by the way, Lisa, where can people obtain this book? They can find it on our website, which is www.staugustineacademypress.com. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that you've answered in the book briefly here, and I'll read right from the book. A question often comes up about, I'll call it the rub of the Latin Mass, the Tridentine Mass, (laughs) that you mentioned before the break how the priest is facing the altar and he's doing the prayers. There's a great mystery there, and there's different levels of mystery, as you said. It's very interesting. And the people are there, and there's a lot of silence. And the so-called rub, I'm using that term, 
especially what was said a lot during and after the Second Vatican Council, was that there was a disconnect, and the priest was doing his thing, to put it in kind of banal terms, and the people were doing their thing, and there was a lack of participation. So you answer that question in your book. The question is stated here, why is it so quiet? Shouldn't the congregation participate? And your answer in the book is, from the most ancient times, man has associated the silence with profound reverence. It seems fitting, then, that the most solemn parts of the Mass should be spoken silently. It is for this same reason that the server is there to make the responses on our behalf, so that we may take advantage of the silence to unite ourselves wholly with the sacrifice on the altar. Do you want to uh, elaborate on that at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but, you mm-hmm. know, when I talk to people about the differences between the Byzantine liturgy and the Latin Mass, one of the first things that pops out of my mouth tends to be, well, you know, I love all the singing and I love all the participation, but I miss the silence. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that necessarily everybody feels that way. I know, you know, as we said before, it can be rather jarring for some people to to be faced with that silence. Mm-hmm. But I often find that within that silence, we're forced to really look into ourselves mm-hmm. and to listen also to to what is happening in a in a completely different way when we are singing or when we're talking mm-hmm. we're actively doing something we're actively doing something else other mm-hmm. than just focusing on what's happening whereas mm-hmm. in that silence we're drawn into that mystery. So, so there is something that the worshiper should do during that silence, or or be about. In other words, can they be doing any kind of prayer? Or what? It sounds to me like you're, what you're saying is that there's a certain, certain prayerful posture they should have during the silence. It seems to me like you're saying they. It's almost like a time of contemplation or meditation, or just sort of being open to the mystery. Well, you know, I think while it is preferred that the faithful pray the prayers of the Mass and follow along with it. There really is no requirement that they do so. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, I think one can come to it on a much more personal level. You know, for me, I know that it's no longer difficult to be in that silence, mm-hmm. but I find that it, it invites more introspection. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, this is something that I've come up across against, you know, in the past, because, you know, there are people in my family who who have had the same complaint about how, you know, when they would attend Mass, either the choir was singing or people were praying their rosaries or, you know, everything was going on in the congregation mm-hmm. except people paying attention to yes. what was really happening and uniting themselves. And I'm sure that that's not necessarily the case. I'm sure that there, there were plenty of people there that were doing that. You just wouldn't notice that. Again, we are talking with our guest, Lisa Bergman, author of Treasure and Tradition, The Ultimate Guide to the Latin Mass. You know, the, the church really doesn't necessarily push us one way or another. They definitely mm-hmm. prefer that we unite ourselves with what's happening on the altar. But mm-hmm. if we are drawn to a different type of, of devotion at a particular time during the Mass, we are free to do that. And mm. that's why, you know, we, we find a wealth of prayer books for the Mass that don't necessarily have the, the prayers of the Mass in it, mm-hmm. but rather suggested prayers that may bring out a particular disposition at a mm-hmm. particular time that allow you to experience the Mass in a different way than mm-hmm. maybe you have before, Yes, um, so that each 
each time we meet Christ in the Mass, it's just like meeting with a friend. We don't we don't meet that friend the same way mm-hmm. every single time. We talk about something different, and we bring our own sorrows, our own troubles, and we we can talk to God because He's there with us. Many Latin Rite Catholics who attended, who used to attend, or grew up with the Tridentine Mass, and then as it became uh, less common, (laughs) uh, found a home in the Byzantine Church or the Eastern Churches. Uh, They seem to see a certain affinity between the two liturgies. Can you talk about that? Is that your observation, your experience? How are they somewhat similar? Why why would they find a certain home? Not that it's exactly the same, but they find a certain home in the Eastern liturgies. Well, I think, first of all, that sense of mystery is retained. Mm -hmm. And it's retained in a different way, I think, than it is in, in the Latin Mass. You know, you don't have the silence, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you have the physical sense of mystery because of the icon screen. Mm -hmm. And so you have this very physical reminder that this is the holy of holies Mm -hmm. and, you know, you are out here, but you're still participating. Mm -hmm. And um, I found it very interesting the way that there's there's this constant dialogue going on between the priest and the deacon and the cantor who represents the people, and and you know, there's there's a lot of um, participation from the congregation in what mm-hmm. the the cantor is singing, and it's it's a different type of participation than I mm-hmm. think most people in in the the new mass are used to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're used to that singing, but they're it's not really necessarily a liturgical singing; it's mm-hmm. extra liturgical yes. hymns mm-hmm. and things. And so I think it, it draws people in very naturally, even though there's still that separation of mystery. Yes. And I think it it helps enforce this idea that God is here with us, and yet we have to come to meet him. We mm-hmm. have to come up to him, and he's going to come down and meet us in between. One of the things that I've noticed personally as a priest in the, the Latin Mass, the Tridentine Mass, is the similarities in some of the prayers, especially when we get to the canon or some of the prayers of the priests. I'm just going to demonstrate something here. The preface, a part of the Trentine Mass called mm-hmm. the preface. I'm going to read the prayer. It is truly meet and just, right, and availing unto salvation that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Holy Lord, Father, Almighty, and everlasting God, who with thine only begotten Son and the Holy Spirit are one God, one Lord, not in the oneness of a single person, but in the trinity of one substance. For that which we believe from thy revelation concerning thy glory, that same we believe also of thy Son and of the Holy Spirit, without difference or separation. So that in confessing the true and everlasting Godhead, we shall adore distinction in persons, oneness in being, and equality in majesty. And it continues on. But just one, a little sample there. What are we seeing here? We're seeing something very similar to what we see in the prayers of the priests in the Byzantine liturgy. And I'll des- demonstrate that. This is from the liturgy of St. Basil from the what we call the anaphora, would be the Latin rite would understand it as the canon, the Eucharistic prayer. O eternal being, Master, Lord, God, a Father almighty and adorable, it is truly proper and just and befitting the magnificence of your holiness to praise you, to sing you, to bless you, to worship you, to thank you, to glorify you, the only true God, and to offer you this our spiritual worship with contrite heart and humble spirit. For you have granted us a knowledge of your truth. Who is able to proclaim your might, to make known all your praises, or to recount all your mighty deeds in every age? And again, the prayer continues. Now, the similarity there is that what both prayers are doing is 
they are doing what is the classic, classic biblical form of prayer, and only the, the only right form of prayer. It starts out by telling God how great he is. Yes. <laughs> and it just goes on and on and on right. before you even get to the what I call the gimme part. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the way it should be. Yes. <laughs> and I always found that to be uh, a remarkable similarity between the two masks, especially it, it's more so, they, yes, in, the, in what they call the ordinary form now, in the Latin rite, there is that, but it's much more striking in the Tridentine Mass, the Latin Mass. It's the prayers of the priests, very very similar in spirit, in tone to the prayers, the high priestly prayers in the Byzantine liturgy. Mm-hmm. I believe it was St. Augustine who uh, pointed to the Our Father as being the archetype for that type of yes. prayer where we, we offer God what is owed to him first. We, we give yes, him that praise, exactly. we give him what he deserves. And then we say, well, and so since we're so miserable, can you help us out? (laughs) As a parent, you might appreciate this analogy. I often liken it to uh, the little child that wants something from daddy or mommy. So he tells daddy and mommy how great they are, how much they love them. And they say, then then can you give me this? (laughs) Got to butter them up first. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But it's only proper. You don't start out face God by gimme right away. You know, you have to say what is wonderful and, and glorious about him. And you can go on and on with that and both churches east and west have done it in their in their traditions especially in the high prayers of the of the liturgy the mass well you were talking about the preface yeah. and you know i find it interesting that the responsory that comes right before the preface is pretty much identical in both rites yes mm-hmm. and you know to me that that's one of the many symbols uh, where you know these different rites are like jewels in the crown of Mother Church. Mm -hmm. And what makes a jewel beautiful is how it reflects the light. And these liturgies, they all reflect the true light. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what they're reflecting is, is, is the true worship of God. And because they all reflect it in similar ways and yet in different ways, we get to see the the brilliance of those different gems and we get to appreciate that. Is exactly the point that I often make on this program, that there's different ways of arriving at the same point, and that's the beauty of the church. There's primarily an Eastern approach and a Western approach, which are different in many ways, but yet they arrive at the same point. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the genius and the beauty of the church that we try to convey on this program. And Lisa, I want to thank you for being here to help us to convey that that genius, that beauty of the church, East and West. The church that breathes with both lungs, as St. John Paul II said. Again, the book by Lisa Bergman is Treasure and Tradition, The Ultimate Guide to the Latin Mass. And where can they get it again, Lisa? At our website, stagustineacademypress.com. Thank you very much, Lisa, for being on our program today. And thank all of you for listening. I am Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road. 
Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the east, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.